Amen. One of the questions that uh, I don't ask myself by any means every single day, but it's a question I've come back to quite a bit, whether it's just a, a season of transition or maybe a season of restlessness, uh, but the question that I come back to quite often is this, is what I'm doing from God? Is what I'm doing from God? What I'm essentially asking myself in this question is this, is how I'm living my life and all aspects of my life, is how I'm living out my marriage, is how I'm living out my parenting, is how I'm living out my work, is how I'm living out friendships, is how I'm living out my neighboring, is how I am living my life, is it really from God? Now, I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that question, even thought of that, but I ask you to consider that today. Is what you are doing from God? And again, thinking about is how you're living your life, the relationships that you have, the friendships that you have. Maybe some of you are in school. Maybe some are working and have careers, but is how you're living out those things, marriage, parenting, finances, how and where you spend your time, is how you're living your life from God? How about us as a church? Is what we're doing, is, is it from God? Is how we gather like this on a Sunday morning? How about our groups that meet throughout the week or the different teams that we invite people to be part of? Or how about when we think about our mission and direction and how we've structured ourselves as a church? Is what we're doing, is it really from God? To me, this is a challenging question, but it's a really important question for each of us to, to ask, but also to answer. And I think what's most challenging for me is not just the question, but the choice that I would be confronted with depending on how I actually answer this question. Meaning, if we were to realize that much of what we're doing is actually not from God, would we be willing to repent and change what we're doing in order to start doing what is from God? It's an important question but depending on how you answer that question, you're going to be confronted with a choice. If we realize as a church, as individuals, that what we're doing, it's not really from God for us, would we really be willing to change or repent and start living out, walking out what is from God? Now, if you haven't already been wondering, I think the question that we have to be thinking about is, well, how would I know if what I'm doing is from God? How would I actually know if the life that I'm living every moment, every day is really from God? Or what does it look like to live a life that is ultimately from God? Those are really good questions. And this morning, in the time that we have, I want to look at one story in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. And when I read this years and years ago, this is what challenged me with the question, is what I'm doing from God? This is where I first heard, this is where I first learned of this question is in Acts chapter 5. Now, to give you some context as to where we are in this story, Peter and some other followers of Christ, the other disciples, they find themselves in jail and they're about to be in court. And why they're in jail and why they're getting ready for a courtroom scene here is the religious leaders had told Peter and the other disciples, hey, stop talking about Jesus. Stop telling people about Jesus. And so Peter and the disciples, they had a choice to make. Are we going to listen to what the religious leaders, scholars, 
Pharisees, Sadducees of the day are telling us to do, are we going to continue to do what Jesus told us to do? And so they were confronted with a choice. And they made very clear, hey, we need to listen to what God is telling us. We need to be obedient to what God is telling us. And we're going to reject what you are telling us to stop doing. And because they had made that decision, they were tossed in jail. And the courtroom scene that we're about to come upon is the religious leaders had already made a judgment, and the judgment was calling for their death because they would not stop talking about Jesus. This is a story in Acts chapter 5. Uh, we begin at verse 33. When they heard this, hearing this is, hey, we're going to listen to God, not listen to you. When they heard this, the high council was furious, and they decided to kill them. But one member, a Pharisee named Gamil, who was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people, he stood up and he ordered that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while. And then he said to his colleagues, men of Israel, take care what you are planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was that fellow Thutis who pretended to be someone great. And about 400 others joined him, but he was killed, and all of his followers went their various ways. The whole movement came to nothing. After him, at that time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was killed too, and all of his followers were scattered. So my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, this is where the question comes from, but if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. Now, in the face of a certain execution, God raises up a voice of reason, or God raises up a voice of wisdom, and the religious scholar that said, hey, we need to stop. I want you to consider this for a moment. He offers, Gamil offers wisdom that I think is just as relevant in the 21st century as it was in the first century. And the wisdom that he passed along to his fellow scholars was this, if what we're doing is not from God, it won't last. If what we're doing is not from God, it won't last, it won't make any difference, it will soon be forgotten, it won't work, it won't last. And Gamil cites two different examples. He cites one example, Thutis, the guy who pretended. He pretended to be someone important, he pretended to be someone great, and he actually got 400 people, he duped them into following him. But Gamil reminded them, hey, when he died, so too did his movement. And then there was another example that uh, Gamil gives. He says, Judas of Galilee, remember him? He also had some followers. But guess what happened? When he died, all his followers went their own way. So Gamil's wisdom to them, but also to us, is if we make our lives about our lives, furthering our name, furthering our ideas, our agenda, our preferences, our passions, our dreams, it just won't last. And how do I know that it won't last? 
Well, because you won't last. Because I won't last. We will all at some point die, just like Thutis the pretender and just like Judas of Galilee. But listen to Gamil's wisdom again in verse 38 and 9. My advice is leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. Again, Gamil's wisdom here, if what you and I are doing, if it is from God, then you can know, you can be encouraged, and you can have confidence that nothing or no one will ever be able to hinder or derail or get in the way of that work of God from actually moving forward. Think about this for a moment. You and I have the opportunity to be part of something. You and I have the opportunity to be part of something that no one, including ourselves, no situation, no circumstance, will ever be able to hinder that work from going forward. No matter what people do or don't do, we have the opportunity to be part of something that no one could ever stop, no one could ever get in the way of, a work that is not at all dependent upon us. Rather, it's just a work where we've been invited to be part of it or to join in. Now, knowing that, is there any one of us here in all honesty, that could say, yeah, you know what? I've thought about it. And I, I know that if I make my life about my life and my agenda, my plans and my dreams, and I actually know that it won't work, it won't last, won't be remembered, will be soon forgotten. Is there any one of us that would be like, yeah, that's the life I really want to live? I really just, I know it's not going to work, but I just, I want to make my life about my life. Is there any one of us that in our right mind would say, yes, that's what I want to give myself to? I don't know about you, but I know for me, I really want to live a life that I could say with clarity, conviction, and confidence, it's from God. And I really want us as a church to be able to have clarity and confidence and conviction that what's happening, it's not man-made, it's not man-centered, it is a work of God, it is from God. So what is a life marked by it's from God? What does it actually look like? What does that life come down to? What would you, living every moment of every day, be able to say, this is from God? What would that look like? You know, obviously, there's probably a few different ways that you could answer this question, but I just want to focus in on one characteristic that we learn from this story in Acts chapter 5 of this is what a life of God, this is, this is it. Now, prior to finding these followers of Christ in the courtroom scene that we read about, the religious leaders had put them in jail while they were having this discussion. And if you go back to the beginning of the story in Acts chapter 5, start at verse 17, it says this, the high priest and his officials who were Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy because all of the people were flocking to the, these disciples to see what was going on. So verse 18 says, they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail and brought them out, then told them, go to the temple and give the people this. 
well before these followers of Christ heard about Gamil's wisdom of, hey, if God's in it, nothing or no one, no situation or circumstance will ever stop the work of God moving forward. Before they heard that, they actually got to experience that. So what is a life marked by? It's from God. Two words I'd want you to remember this morning, going and giving. If you want to know what a life that is marked by, it's from God, going and giving. The angel of the Lord did not jailbreak these followers of Christ so they could just be comfortable, so that they'd be free from suffering and hardship. They were broken out of jail miraculously so they could get back to going and giving. Now, I haven't told you yet, but what do you suppose they were told to go and give? What do you think the message was upon them being broken from jail? We know that they were told, go back to where the people are in the temple where everyone is gathering and give them, what do you suppose the message was? Do we think the message would have been, go and give the people a list of things that they're going to need to know in order to know God? Or do you think maybe they were said, hey, go and give the people all of God's expectations, all of God's demands that He has for them. Go and give them that. Or do you think maybe the message was, go and give the people advice on how to best navigate culture, on how to best, how, how to best blend in with the surrounding culture? What do you think the message of give and go actually was? See, if we're going to live lives marked by it's from God, this is what they were told and what we're told to go and give. Verse 20, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. Go back to the people and give them the message of life. See, what they were called and what we're called to go and to give to people is the message of life. We're not called to go and to give people a list of rules and regulations and agendas and demands and expectations. The life that God is in is a life that is going and giving the message of life. And just so we're all clear, when the message was, go give the message of life, what is actually being talked about the message of life is the message of Jesus. If you're to look back through the Gospels, it says in John chapter 1, in Him, Jesus, was life. In Him, this person of Jesus, was life. Or John 6, Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Or John, disciple, follower of Jesus, wrote this, this one being Jesus, who is life itself, was revealed to us, and we have seen Him and now we testify and proclaim to you that He is the one who is eternal life. When I think about all of the cultural messages that are being propagated to us every day, I don't think about the cultural messages that I'm hearing and reading and seeing about as actually life-giving. It's actually more life-sucking. But when I think about the message that we have been called to go and to give, it is a message that brings life. It's a message that breathes life. So as I've been thinking a lot about this idea of the life that God is in is one that is going and giving, 
One of the things that I realized, at least about myself, and I think this is true of all of us here, we are people that are constantly going. We are always going. And what I mean by that is we're always around people. We're always either going to work or in our, we're going to places where people are at work, at, in home, in school. And the reality is, not only are we people who are going, but we're already people who are giving. We're already giving people something. And so the question I've been really wrestling with this week for myself personally is this, what am I or what are we giving people? I'm already going. I'm with people a lot. Some I know very well and some I don't know at all. And the reality is I'm already giving people something and so are you. What is it that you're currently giving to the people that you are going to? Because if we're giving people anger or annoyance or stress or worry or shame or guilt, or if we're giving people just consumerism and self-promotion, well, we know that's not the life that God is in because it's not at all consistent with the message of life. Those things suck life, don't breathe life. But the message of life, the message of Jesus is going and giving what's been given to you. The message of going and giving the message of Christ is to give people what Christ has given to you, unconditional love, grace, kindness, forgiveness, sacrificial generosity. So just think about this for a moment. You're already going, all of us are, and we're already giving people something. It's just a question of what are we giving people? The life that God is in is the life that is going and giving people the message of life. The religious leaders, I think they saw the wisdom in Gamil's advice. And so they did end up letting these disciples go, but before they released them, they wanted to give them a warning that they would never forget. It says in Acts chapter 5, verse 40, the others accepted his advice. So they called in the apostles and had them flogged. If you're not familiar with flogging, it's being whipped. Skin torn from side and back. And then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. So they beat them, whipped them, and gave them one final warning. Do not talk about the name of Jesus. Do not talk about the message of life. Now, fresh off of being flogged, these followers, they had a choice to make. Will we continue to go and give the message of life, or will we change gears and figure out an easier and more comfortable and convenient way to live? See, the same choice that they had to make is the same choice that you and I have to make as well. It's safe to say that in our current context and culture here in Boston, Greater Boston, none of us are going to be flogged, skin torn from our backs because we're giving the message of life, giving the message of Christ. But I think we all know that there's a cost and there's a consequence to us being people who are going and giving the message of life. Things might get awkward. Things might get challenging at work. Things might be difficult at school. You might be persecuted in a different type of way, but we all have a choice to make. I can say 2,000 years removed, I'm very thankful that they did not make a choice to say, gosh, this is going to be hard. 
We just got whipped. Why don't we just figure out how to be Christians, followers of Christ, but in a way that's not going to cost us too much, that will be a little bit more comfortable, that will be a little bit more convenient, that will allow us to keep flesh on our back. This is the choice that they made. Verse 41 and 42, the apostles left a high council, listen to this, rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message that Jesus is the Messiah. I love the language that every day and everywhere they went. And they continued to preach the message of life, which is Jesus is the Messiah. So convicting to me that fresh off of being whipped, flogged, they said, we count it great joy that we were able to be identified as Christians because we know that Christ suffered greatly. And now we get to be part of being a Christian who suffers. Every day and everywhere, they went and continued to proclaim, to go and to give the message of life. I don't know about you, but I really want to be part of what God's in. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste my life on something that I know God is not in. And I don't want our church to waste any time, any effort on anything that God is not in. So this is why we as a church will be relentlessly committed to the simplicity of going and giving the message of life. What you need to know about getting connected here at Genesis is you need to know that we're going to be unapologetic about that. We're going to be unapologetic about inviting you over and over and over and over again to go and to give the message of life. If that's the kind of community and type of church you want to be part of, then that's what we're doing. If that's not where you're at, well, that's not, we're not going there. We're going to the place of going and giving unapologetically. That has been our focus. That will continue to be our focus. Why? Because we just want to be part of something that God's in. What's the point of living a life that God's not in? What's the point of being part of a church that God is not in? But if God is in going and giving the message of life, then that's what you and I have been invited to be part of, and that's what we will continue to do.